Well, it's our honor to have Mark Trotter here with us today. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something. How many of you have been involved in our discipleship ministry? You've either been discipled or in it. Or, let's all stand. I want you to see. Mark, come on up here. And I want you to see the fruit of your labor. And I know there's a bunch in the overflow. But look around here. This is, this is the influence. So thank you, guys. You can all be seated. So good to see Rick and Brittany here. It's a blessing. They're back from Tennessee to see us. That's a blessing. The way that we learned about discipleship, this man right here. So I'm glad that he's here. He's going to preach to us this morning. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks. So good to see all of y'all here this morning. Uh, yeah, it, it is like uh, so cool to be able to come back and uh, to be able to hang with you guys. It's been remodeled since I was here. He only takes me out about every 20 years or so. Uh, but it, it is great to, to be with you. Uh, my... Uh, I, I was the pastor of First Baptist Church in New Philadelphia. I was there for about 25 years, and uh, uh, God had a, another uh, about nine years when I was in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so I am a Buckeye through and through. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I can always count on when I'm in Ohio that I'm, I may not get amens from the message, but if I mention the Buckeyes, we're going to get some amens, and so I, I, I thought, we might as well go ahead and get an amen here, but, um, but what I, God has opened a door for, for me in Malawi, Africa, and uh, that's what I spend most of my uh, days and nights uh, doing now. It's a, a long story, uh, and I'm not going to get into all of that, but I do have the opportunity there to uh, pastor, uh, pastors, uh, training pastors, uh, that will never in their life have the opportunity to get training. They're already pastor in a church, but they've never had training. And it is a, and I'm not trying to be funny or gross, but it is a cesspool of false doctrine. And so, uh, I am very passionate as is your pastor about sound doctrine, especially in these last days when it's being let go of. And here are guys that have no opportunity other than God just doing something crazy. And so uh, I get to do that. Uh, I'm a blessed guy. Uh, I live in the Atlanta area now. Uh, it's uh, a great airport to get in and out of. Um, the busiest in the world. Uh, but... My kids and my grandkids live down there. So if that tells you anything, uh, so uh, I'm based out of there. But I, you know, obviously coming in, been a long time since I've been here, knowing that uh, Pastor Jim uh, has taken the bull by the horns when it came to discipleship and has run with that, uh, and knowing this is a disciple-making church. And let me just, let me just say this to you guys. I, I, I think you understand this, but as a guy that is old and a guy that does get around just a little bit, I do want you to know how blessed you are to be able in Sydney, Ohio, to actually have a church that preaches the gospel that makes disciples, that teaches the Bible. Do you know what a rare quality that is? Hello? <laughs> I, 
I, I'm, you know, the, the thing is, I'm not so sure that maybe a, a lot of you do. I, I, I have people all the time that live in big cities all over this country that are saying, we cannot find a church that preaches the Bible expositionally, that makes disciples, that actually believes that the Bible is the Word of God. What do we do? <laughs> and so, my brothers and sisters, as a fellow struggler, may I say to you, man, don't ever come to the place to where you take what God does in this room and the overflow. We heard you yelling. Don't ever take for granted what God is doing in this place. Because I will tell you, it is as rare as it can possibly be. And so, well, yeah, don't... You know, some of you parents, you know, you, you try to tell your kids how good they've got it. You know, well, I was a kid, you know. And sometimes they look at you and they don't get it. You know what I'm saying, parents? Okay, parents, let me just say something. <laughs> I, I'm not real sure that... You, you totally get it. And so, you know what? As I, I, I always, you know, I, I, I hope that you've never lost a sense of gratitude for your salvation, for the fact that you were able to yank yourself out of bed this morning, that you have eyes to see and ears to hear and feet that work and you could be here. And in the midst of everything that you're thanking God for on a daily basis... Man, don't forget to thank God for this church and the Word of God that is proclaimed in this place. Okay, now, have I said everything that I'm supposed to say now? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No. I, I, listen, I, I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I, I feel like it is such a blessing for me to be able to come to this place and be able to be free as a guest to know I can preach the book here and I'm not going to get the pastor in trouble. <laughs> because you guys have an appetite for the Word of God. Now, <clears throat> what I feel like the Lord laid on, on my heart, and why don't you go to that title slide uh, and we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, and, and go on to the next one if you would. Okay, we're going to be talking this morning and tonight, uh, this afternoon, I guess, about an event that I'm not so sure that most Christians have really let this settle in on you. We all know the Lord is coming. Uh, a good portion of Christianity thought He was coming yesterday. I don't know if you know that. Um, okay, He didn't, but it could be today. <laughs> And it could be tomorrow, and we're expecting that. We anticipate that. Amen? We, we anticipate the rapture. And, and it's going to be glorious. But, but I, I also want you to know that what awaits us right after the rapture is the judgment seat of Christ. And for those of you, I, I, I don't want to spend a, a long time on this, because I, I, I realize that this is a church that does know up when it comes to the Bible. And so... 
But for those of you that may be newer to the Bible, maybe a, a guest with us today, and again, I want to say we're thrilled that you're here with us today. But the, the, the judgment seat of Christ is not a, a, a judgment that determines whether your goodies outweigh your baddies, and so you, know, you determine whether you go to heaven or not. This is only for people who put their trust in, in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And this is a judgment to determine our eternal reward. We all know that we're going to be, you know, and you learn this in discipleship, that there's five crowns that we're rewarded with. And what do we do with those crowns, y'all? We cast them at his feet. And I am of the persuasion that as we do that, following the judgment seat, that, okay, so if, if your pastor has three crowns and I've got one, who's bringing him the most glory right there? Pastor Jim, right? Okay, I believe that whatever happens at that moment is the capacity for worship and glorifying God that you take with you through all of eternity. You hear that? We're not just talking about this one-time event. I, I think that a lot of times people think, oh, so in eternity, you know, we're all equals. Uh, not so much. It's going to be glorious for everybody. Everybody will be worshiping and bringing in glory. Everybody that's there. It's just some people are going to be doing more of it than others. It does matter. <laughs> what we're doing here. And do you understand that really what we're doing here is getting ready for the judgment seat? Because that represents our eternal reward in the everlasting kingdom. It's a big hairy deal. <laughs> and in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 10 the, the we that he's talking about when he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The we is all of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is for, this is for all of us, y'all. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore, you ever seen this in the context? The terror of the Lord. We persuade men. But we're made manifest, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Now, I, I have studied quite a bit on the judgment seat of Christ. I don't proclaim myself as some expert on the subject, but I will say this. If I understand it right, what's going to happen is every single one of us individually are going to have our moment with Jesus. And we will see him face to face. I try to picture this this morning, that if the rapture took place now, this is where we're going. We're going to be looking at our Savior, who having not seen, we love. And we're going to look him in the face, and we will look him in the eye. And again, if I understand it correctly, what happens, because time is elastic in eternity... We start walking back through every single day of our life from the time that we got saved until the time we got there. 
you imagine that? But this time, we see it through his eyes. And we see what could have been and what would have been if we would have just gotten it. That it was all, really, for that, for this moment, to determine our eternal, everlasting reward. You know how I try to pray every day? Some of you may pick up on this, and maybe it'll, maybe it'll help you. It helps me immensely. Every day, this is, I, I, I say some semblance of this. Lord, I know that one day I'm going to see this day the way that you see it. And so since I'm going to see it that way one day, help me to see it that way today as I'm living it. So that the choices I'm making, the decisions I'm making, are ones that I'm going to be when I walk back through it with you. That I'm going to be real glad I made. Do you understand that? Hello? You guys here? Do you guys amen? Okay. When we find something good, we do. Okay. Hopefully we'll get there. But, wow. I really do believe, y'all. Most Christians, we're just... You know, going through life. Oh, you believe in the judgment seat? Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't get on our radar on a daily basis. And I, I want to be a voice in your life that stops in every 20 years or so. <laughs> and maybe just remind all of us that that, yeah, rapture is going to be awesome. And we enter into the judgment seat. And... Man, wouldn't it be awesome if we knew how to prepare for that? <laughs> when I was in Bible college, I, uh, in fact, last weekend I spoke at a church up in the Toledo area, and it was the church where one of the professors I had in Bible college was. I hated this guy <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Uh, but, and I didn't hate him, but in his class, for real, Okay, so he he did these lectures using words that only your pastor would understand, and using you know all of this, and he's going a million miles an hour. You know, we're writing like crazy, and and, and then we've got a, a a book that we're going through, and so on his test, everything you know you're responsible for everything, everything in a lecture, everything in the book. I'm not kidding you, down to the footnotes. He's asking questions on the test out of the footnotes. This is, you know, and no prep doesn't tell you anything that, you know, to do to prepare for it. I had another professor at the same college, and the day, or, you know, the class before, he had the test in front of him, and he would say, now, if I were you in this class, I would be prepared for this, and in this, and this, and he would take 15 minutes to read the test to us. And boy, I may not have listened on all the other days, but I did listen for that. You know what I'm saying? Wouldn't you love to get the questions to the test before the test? You know something? I really do believe God has done that for us. 
in the Bible. And, and that's why I'm calling what we're doing today the, the pretest of the judgment seat of Christ. And I want to invite you this morning to take your Bible and turn with me to Job chapter 26. Because what happens in Job 26, mind you, yes, Job, we're going to be talking about the judgment seat of Christ out of Job this morning. But, but what, what happens here is God provides for us in this passage six questions that we need to be prepared to answer at the judgment seat of Christ. But before we actually begin to look at these, let, let me help you, because if I were you and hearing this for the first time, I'd be like, how in the world do you know that? How do you know that this is the, what's happening in Job 26? Okay, if you didn't get a handout, why don't you just put your, your wing up and these guys, oh, we've got some over here, the pastor's lovely bride. Hey, keep your hand up long enough and we'll get those to you. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Okay, so the, the, the six questions are in Job 26. Uh, so, I, again, be there. But I want you to notice that following th this passage, okay, so we're in Job 26. I want you to notice that following Job 26, obviously we come into Job 27. And in Job 27 and verse 1, it, it says this, Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, and now if you would go over to Job 29 and verse 1, and it says, Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, okay, so what, what that lets us know is that these questions that we're actually looking at in Job 26, they are in the midst of a, a what, y'all? A, a, a parable. Now, if we're going to let the Bible provide its own definitions, and I love that about this church, that's the way that you guys roll. It's the way you approach the Bible. But if we're going to let the Bible provide its own definitions, we come to Psalm 49 and verse 4, and it defines a parable. And it defines it, notice, as a dark saying. In other words, there's definite truth in it because it's the Bible, but not everybody is going to see it. Maybe we could say it this way. It's, it's truth. In the dark. You need light in order to be able to see it. Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of thy word giveth what, y'all? Giveth light. Okay. And when we shine the light of God's word on Job's parable in Job 26, it becomes more than apparent that there's only one group of people who have ever lived that could possibly answer these questions. And that is those of us that are part of the body of Christ. And, and, and I want us to begin this morning. Okay, now you'll notice in your notes that we're going to look at, it, it says we're going to look at three. I, I want to, let me just free you up. We're going to look at two this morning. Okay, so if you're pacing yourself on how you're listening, 
We're only going to do two. <laughs> okay, so pull it in with me. But I want to begin by, by reading the passage together with you so that we can all have it in our heads. Job 26, verses 1 through 4. But Job answered and said, How hast thou helped him that is without power? How savest thou the arm that hath no strength? How hast thou counseled him that hath no wisdom? And how hast thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? To whom hast thou uttered words? And whose spirit came from thee? And Lord, as we begin to dive into this now, I pray that the Spirit of God that lives in us will take the, the light of the Word of God and shine it on this passage. And I pray that the result of it will be our lives will be transformed today. I pray this won't just be another service, another message, another sermon. But Lord, would you come down and would you meet with us and help us to prepare for our ultimate accounting before you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, let's dive into question number one. In Job 26 and verse 2, the first question is this. How hast thou helped him that is without power? Do you realize this morning, and, and, and please work with me. Do you realize this morning that there was a time when every single one of us that are in this room this morning, do you realize there was a time when we were without power? And the reason we were without power is the very simple fact that we were without God. The psalmist said in Psalm 62 and verse 11, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul, what he does in this passage is he steps us back into our past and he reminds us that at that time, ye, that's all of y'all, all of us, that ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and listen to this now, and without God in the world. Do you remember that time, my brother and sister? That time when you were with out power that Paul describes here as being without hope, without a covenant, without promises to cling to as Gentiles, without Christ, without God, without help. Wow! That was us. Without power. But that's not all that it means to be without power. Paul goes on to let us know in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 that not only were we void of God's power, oh, listen, but we were held by a different power. We were being held at that time by the power of darkness 
which Acts 26 and verse 18 identifies as the power of Satan. And Paul goes on to describe in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26 that it was the snare of the devil that he used to hold us captive. Listen to this. At his will. Listen, y'all. That was every one of us. And into that powerless, hopeless, helpless state. You know what happened to us? God found somebody to use to help us. The psalmist said in Psalm 142 and verse 4, I I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. No man cared for my soul. But do you realize this this morning? There is not a single person in this room that could ever say what the psalmist said in Psalm 142 and verse 4. Because the very fact that we are sitting in this service this morning is proof that the Lord Jesus Christ found somebody that cared enough for our soul to help us. And they helped us by giving us the gospel, which Romans 1 and verse 16 says is the very power of God unto salvation. Listen, they shared the gospel with us. And all of a sudden, y'all, in the midst of the darkness of our helpless, hopeless, powerless state, a light began to pierce that darkness. It's described in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 as the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. And what happened to every one of us? This is our story, y'all. The blinders came off and the shackles were broken. And Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says that our Father in heaven delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us out of it and put us into the kingdom of His dear Son, can somebody say amen to that? And and, and listen, to put it in the words of Job 26 and verse 2. When that person shared the gospel with you, you know what they did, y'all? They helped you when you were without power. And, And when they stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ... And the Lord looks them in the face and looks them in the eye and He says to them, where are the people here that are here because you cared enough to help them? When the Lord asks them that question, do you know what you'll do? You'll raise your hand. And you'll step forward to the throne and you'll say, Lord, I'm one. 
I was without power and he helped me. I was without power and she helped me. And listen, that's awesome, man. And I'm glad that you'll be able to step up on their behalf. And I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you're going to be there. But the question that we're considering from Job 26 and verse 2 this morning isn't who helped you when you were without power. The question is, and we're all trying to ask ourselves this question in preparation for the judgment seat of Christ, but the question on that day is, who have you helped that was without power? And I ask you this morning, if all the hoopla about the Lord coming back yesterday would have happened, then we're at the judgment seat of Christ right now. When the Lord asks you, how hast thou helped him that is without power? Where are the people? Who will step up and say, Lord, I'm one. I was without power and he helped me. Lord, I'm, I was without power and she helped me. And Lord, I'm here because they cared for my soul. You see, folks, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says that when the Holy Ghost has come upon us in salvation, that what happens to us is we receive what? We receive power. And one of the the main things in this verse that it says that we receive the power to actually do is to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not rocket surgery. God's intention is that all of, listen, that all of the Christless, godless, helpless, and powerless people who received the power to have their life transformed by the glorious message of the gospel received the power with that to share the message with all of the people in their sphere of influence who are still Christless, godless, helpless, and hopeless. You wouldn't think that would be that hard, would you? I mean, for real, y'all, would you think with me? Come now, let us reason together. How could those of us who have become recipients of His power not do everything within our power to help those who are still without power? Are you hearing that? How could that not be the most urgent and pressing thing on our agenda every single day of our life? Would you, would you think with me for just a second? If I had the power to feed the starving children all over the world today... 16,000 of them will die today. 
And if I had the power to feed them and I didn't exercise that power, I mean, I could do it, but I just didn't exercise that power. For What would you think of me? If I had the power to heal all of the diseased children in the world and I didn't exercise that power, if I could stop the genocide in Syria or any other place in the, in the world, and I didn't exercise that power, what if I told you, yeah, you know, I, I know I have the power to do that, but man, I've got so many important things to deal with in my schedule today. And you know what? After I take care of those, man... I need to work out, and uh, I need to take the dog to the groomer, and uh, I've got a meeting with my fantasy football league. You know what you would say to me? For real? I know what you would say to me. Are you kidding me, dude? You have that power, and you're not going to exercise that power? And I know what else you would say to me. You've got to be the most despicable, uncaring, unloving, unfeeling, desensitized, misprioritized, selfish human being that has ever graced this planet. And if you said that to me, you know what? If I had that power, you would be right. And listen, do you realize this morning that we have... The power of the living God in us. We have the power of the gospel in our hands. And with that power, do you understand? We have the power to feed the famished souls of the spiritually starving people all around the world. We have the power to heal them of the disease of sin that's going to land their soul into the lake of fire. We have the power to break the satanic genocide that he carries out in this world as every single second of every single day. People that he has held captive in his Christless, godless eternal snare fall into hell and I ask you this morning how in the world could we possibly have the power to do something about that and not exercise that power You know what's amazing to me, y'all, about good churches like ours? We can identify the dispensations. We can step somebody through the rapture, the tribulation, the second coming in the millennium. We can identify the false prophet and the beast and the mother of harlots in the book of Revelation. We can name the fruit of the Spirit. We can name the books of the Bible.
but we can't name a single person who was without power that we've helped by winning them to Christ. I'm, I'm a guest, and I know that, and I'm not trying to be cold-blooded. I'm not trying to be harsh. But usually, this is where people start getting spiritual. And they want to talk about spiritual gifts, and they'll say stuff like, well, you know, Pastor Mark, you know, Pastor Jim, I, I just don't have the gift of evangelism. Uh, I, I don't have the gift of mercy. Can I just say to you, my brothers and sisters, you don't need the gift of evangelism to help somebody who is without power. You don't have to have the gift of mercy to care about somebody that is going to drop off into a devil's hell. You know, the only thing that you need to have been without power yourself and to have had someone who helped you. Aren't you glad I'm not going to do three of these? And so with this, this first question, the, the issue at the judgment seat is going to be evangelism. <laughs> and here's the point. And the real question that we need, please listen. The real question that we need to be ready to look Jesus in the eye and answer when he asks us at his judgment seat is, who is here because of you? Hey, this is the pretest. We still have time to do something about this. Ain't it great to know what's going to be on the test, y'all? <laughs> May I appeal to you? And let's take this as serious as it could possibly be because, again, our eternal reward is based off of what happens at the judgment seat. Who's here? Because of you. All right, let's move on to the second question. Job continues on in Job 26 and verse 2, and he says this, How savest thou the arm that hath no strength? How savest thou? Now, listen to every word of that, okay? If I died and you had to... Try to figure out what he's actually talking about at the judgment seat on your own. Work with me. How, would you, how, how do we get there? How savest thou the arm that hath no strength? And, and to get our heads wrapped around what he's actually saying here, all we really need to do is ask ourselves, is, well, what is an arm? Okay. And if we were going to answer that question in the most simplistic way possible, our answer would probably be something like, an arm is a member of the, the body. Would you listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12? For as the body is one, talking about our physical body, 
and hath many members. And all the members of that one body being many are one body. I got a lot of different members, but there's just one body up here. He says, so also is Christ. Okay, that's the way that it is in the body of Christ as well. Okay, in other words, in the same way that there's all these different members that make up our physical bodies, in that same way with Christ, with His body, the spiritual body called the church, it's the same exact way. And those of you that are familiar with this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 know that he goes on to identify those of us in the body of Christ. You know how he does this? That some of us are a foot, and some of us are an eye, and some of us are an ear, and some of us are a hand. And in Job 26 and verse 2, he talks about an arm that has no strength. And obviously, he's talking about somebody who has had the power of the gospel, the very power of salvation, make them a member of the body of Christ. But you see, the, body, the Bible teaches us that when we're born into God's family, it's just like with our physical birth. And in our physical birth, obviously, a tremendous power has been put into action to bring us to life. But when we come into this life, y'all, we have no strength. That little life is a miracle of God with the potential for unbelievable feats of strength. But if that little life doesn't have someone there to help them grow and develop, the fact is they're going to die. Because that little baby doesn't have the ability to feed themselves. They can't fend for themselves. They can't defend themselves. You know what has to happen, y'all? Somebody has to Step in and save them. And, and, and listen, the same thing is true of the new little lives that are born into God's family. And at the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to look all of us in the eye individually and ask, How savest thou the arm? That hath no strength. In other words, what did you do to nurture and to feed and to protect and invest in those that I brought into my body that had no strength? What, what did you do to strengthen them? What did you do to help them fulfill their role in the body? And, and, and listen. If our Lord Jesus Christ looks us in the eye and asks us that question, how savest thou the arm that hath no strength? Maybe we need to put the brakes on this morning and look ourselves in the eye and ask ourselves, who am I presently investing in? blessed my soul a few minutes ago when the pastor had those of you that are involved in discipleship stand up and 
And again, I, I can't remember who that was. Okay, so we're, it's all good. But wow, y'all. To be a member of a disciple-making church and treat that like it's optional equipment? Yeah, really? Do you know how many people in all churches all over America are going, oh God, please make our church a disciple-making church? You're in one. You can be trained right here to make an investment that's going to follow you into an eternity. We really are going to have to be ready to answer these these questions. And and if we're investing in them, okay? And some of us are going, okay, I passed that. I've got a disciple. Okay, maybe in light of the question, we might need to ask, what are we doing to save them? Okay, because they're they're part of the body. I, I know that they're saved in terms of being born again and have therefore been saved from the wrath to come. I, I, I get that. But w- what are we doing to save them from themselves? A, a new member of the body of Christ. Do you understand? They were made new creatures and so they're new in their spirit and their soul, but they didn't get a new body. They still live in a body of flesh. And listen, in their lost state, the God of this world dragged them through the course of this world. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 2 and 3 says that what they were doing in their lost state was fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and they were yucking it up in that system of Satan that's comprised of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And now, yeah, man, they've become a part of the body of Christ, but they have no strength. And who is going to save them from themselves? Who's going who's gonna to teach them what it looks like to mortify this body of flesh? And put off the old man and put on the new man and be filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and let the peace of God rule in their hearts and let the Word of God, the Word of Christ dwell in them richly. Who's going to teach them that? How savest thou the arm? That hath no strength. Who's going to save them from the plight of Laodicea? That brand of last day's Christianity that Jesus said made him want to hurl. That is bent on finding the so-called balanced Christian life. And Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3 and verses 14 to 22, he describes that as that balanced Christian life that we're trying to find in the 21st century. He describes it as... Not being hot and not being cold, but being what? Lukewarm. A brand of Christianity that focuses on the temporal things that we can see with our eyes rather than the eternal 
things that we can only see through the eyes of faith. Who's going to save them from this 21st century brand of Christianity that knows nothing about the cross? Who's going to save them from this crossless Christianity that wants, wants to know what we can do to position ourselves to receive the greatest blessing rather than wanting to know what do we need to do? How do we need to position our lives so we can bring Christ the most glory? Who's going to save them from this 21st century Christianity that is trying to use God to please us rather than pleasing God so that He will use us? Who's going to save them from the false prophets and the false teachers and the false doctrines that are blowing like crazy all around us? Who's going to save them? From the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils that are intended by the enemy to cause them to depart from the faith. How savest thou the arm that hath no strength? Anybody know who Ananias is in the Bible? He's a guy from Damascus. and Does anybody know how God used him? Let me ask you, have you ever heard of a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul? And do you know how God used him? We all do. Okay. Listen, in Acts chapter 9, verses 17 to 22, it lets us know that when the Apostle Paul was still a new believer. He, at this time, he was still even being referred to as Saul. L listen, I'm almost done. A time when the great apostle, again at this time, Saul, had no strength. God had a faithful man by the name of Ananias who strengthened him. Acts chapter 9, verse 22 says that through the ministry of Ananias, listen, Saul increased the more in strength. And, and, and listen, y'all, you, you go on to look at everything that the Apostle Paul went on to do. <laughs> Things that, quite honestly, Ananias was not built by God to do. But listen, the, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, what if, when Saul had no strength, Ananias wouldn't have been there to strengthen him? Do you hear that? Wow. I'd say what Ananias did was pretty doggone significant. We look at King David in the Old Testament, how greatly used of God he was. And, and do you remember this? He had a friend by the name of Jonathan. And you know what 1 Samuel 23 and verse 16 says Jonathan did? Look at this. He strengthened David's hand in God. Man, listen, we, 
Would you just somehow, right now, try to get a vision of God constantly using you to be a Jonathan in the lives of new believers? Listen. Strengthening their hand in God's... My brothers and sisters, few of us in this room will be Apostle Paul's. Few of us in this room will be King David's. All of us can be Ananias's, and all of us can be Jonathan's. And that's why our Lord Jesus Christ will ask us in that day, How savest thou the arm that hath no strength? And the second question, the issue here is discipleship. And just hold on to that next point for just a second. And, and, and the point, okay, li- listen, w- how we all need to make sure that we're preparing ourselves to look our Savior in the face at the judgment seat of Christ, we, we've got to make sure that we're ready to answer. Okay, now the first question was, who's here because of you? The question here is, who here is more like me because of you? And you understand that's what we do in discipleship. We're helping people that are a part of the body of Christ that have had the power of God make them a member of the body. And we take on the role of strengthening their hand in God's so that they can become more like Christ. Okay. Try to resist the urge to pack up. Some of you may be here this morning. And you're like I was 45 years ago today. If, if, right now, and I'm sorry to tell you it's this late. It's quarter to 12 right now. 45 years ago today... At this very time, I was without power. And in about 10 minutes, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ pierced into the darkness that Satan was using to hold me and brought me out, man. And listen, if you're here this morning and you have never... Receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Man, I want you to know something. He loves you so much that God in a human body came to this planet, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, taking all of our sin. He paid the price by shedding His blood. He was buried. He rose again the third day, proving that He was God and that He had conquered sin and death. And today... What he wants to do is reach into the power of darkness that's holding you and translate you into the kingdom of his dear son. And listen, the same thing that happened to me 45 years ago can happen for you today. And those of us who are part of the body of Christ... 
I, I hope you catch the soberness of it. We got to get prepared to answer Jesus when He says, "Who here? Yeah. Who's here because of you? And who here is more like me because of you?" Pastor Jim, I'm going to let you take it from here.